You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international, covering down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Uh, Well, time now, 2.06 p.m. on Tuesday the 31st, last day of January, the first month of 2023. I cannot believe that's already gone by. I mean, like, wow. And Boomer's on the board. Hey, brother. Hey. How are you? I'm good. I'm just trying to get this website up and running again. That thing is <laughs> finicky today. Just a finicky website. It's all right, all right though. We're still on YouTube and everything else. That's though. right. Yeah, you want to live stream the show and, and the website doesn't cooperate for the moment because I'm sure Boomer will have it fixed momentarily. Uh, you can always go to YouTube and go to Right Side Radio and stream the show from there. Uh, we got plenty of doings. Uh, so listen, I got to tell you, um, the, the stuff that I've got in the Triple Dipper today is the kind that just kind of makes you proud to have a radio show, just to be honest. But uh, the first thing out the gate, I will tell you this, at 3 o'clock you're going to want to stay tuned because our friend Jeff Poor, who is the executive editor at 1819 News and the host of the Jeff Poor Show uh, down in Mobile on FM Talk 106.5, he'll be with us, sort of putting the, uh, the capstone comments, if you will, on the first part of the Triple Dipper about state action. So we'll, we'll cover that down with, uh, with uh, Jeff Poor at 3 o'clock. Y'all stay tuned for that discussion. In the meantime, I still have a Triple Dipper, so Boomer, hit it. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. So, yeah, number one, state action. And you're going to hear about it for a little bit. My monologue is even kind of dealing with this state action. There are times when a state has to tell the federal government, no, no, that's not the way we do business. Or for that matter, hey, by the way, federal government, here's how we do business. Because there is such a thing as the 10th Amendment. So we're going to talk about state action. And I mean like literal state action. What is our own Attorney General Steve Marshall doing most recently? Story out today on 1819. What is Governor Greg Abbott doing about the border? What's happening with uh, things like South Dakota? We'll talk about it. State action, number one in the Triple Dipper. Number two, there's so much creep stuff going on right now with technology. I mean, like, okay. So number two is called too much tech. I get it. Technology. It uh, saves us time, allegedly. It makes our life easier, allegedly. It also gets a little creepy, allegedly. We'll talk about that. Number two of the Triple Dipper. I mean, you almost want to say, and then Skynet became aware. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, number two in the Triple Dipper, too much tech. And then number three, uncommon sense. I've got stories where you look at it and go, well, that, you know, why'd you do that? Because it, it just makes good common sense. I mean, or if someone does something, you think, well, yeah, you finally came around to it. Thank you very much. Uncommon sense is number three on the Triple Dipper. We got plenty of info in that one. You're going to enjoy that piece. All right, let me, let me jump over, though, to my monologue, which today is actually going to tie right into the first part of the Triple Dipper. And I'll ask you this first off, right out the gate. Do you remember the July 2020th Independence Day celebration at Mount Rushmore in South Dakota? Uh, it, was, it was an incredible major event that drew in thousands of tourists. It came at a time when the nation was, you know, reeling from riots and dysfunction. And the event featured comments from President Trump himself at the, live at the scene and a flyover by various military aircraft, including Blackhawks and Ospreys and fighters and B-1 bombers, the Blue Angels, even Air Force One flew over. 
Charlene and I watched it on TV, and it was absolutely, absolutely one of the coolest, most spectacular celebrations of our nation that I've ever seen. It was also a victory for the state of South Dakota, whose governor, Republican Christy Noem, was proud to showcase her state and to welcome the nation to see what South Dakota had to offer. An amazing fireworks display with the backdrop of Mount Rushmore. Golly, it was, it was, just, it was just incredible. And then it all came to a screeching halt. Nothing happened that was bad or detrimental to the state. No one died. No property was destroyed. By all accounts, it was a boon for South Dakota, and everyone who watched it loved it. But the reason why you haven't seen fireworks at Mount Rushmore since July of 2020, because President Biden was elected. That's it. Nothing more. Mount Rushmore is technically on federal land since it's part of the National Park Service's properties. Upon taking office in early 2021, the Biden Department of the Interior canceled the state of South Dakota's fireworks permit. Governor Noam called him out. She tried legal action, but in the end, her hands were tied. So she renewed the permit request again for 2022, and it was denied. A few weeks ago, this year, 2023, she let it be known that she had once again acted on behalf of the state that she governs to pursue the permit for 2023 and has just recently been denied for a third time. In her view, a view that I share, by the way, the main reason is because the Biden administration breaks out in a rash every time someone hearkens to the memory of Trump. And one of the last great memories or moments of the Trump administration was the dynamic display at Rushmore. There's also talk that a Native American activist group had complained to the Biden administration that the patriotic celebrations were somehow a violation of their historic tribal grounds. But the sense that most people have, though, is that the perpetual denial of the fireworks permit is merely an act of pettiness by the Biden administration. It's sad, really, and it's completely unnecessary because the people of this great nation, in a bipartisan fashion, deserve the opportunity to celebrate on their own lands without political pettiness reigning on the figurative parade. But as petty as the Rushmore issue is, it's far worse when we see a weaponized federal government taking actual action against a state for merely doing what states are authorized to do. It's a problem that's been around since time immemorial, with states fussing that the federal government is constantly encroaching on state sovereignty. Sometimes the states are wrong. They claim the mantle of sovereignty in a manner that's inconsistent with federal law, like when a state attempts to abrogate your Second Amendment rights and has to be told by the Supreme Court that they're wrong. But more than at any other time in my life, I feel that it is a constant actuality that the federal government is berating states for doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Never more so than what we're seeing now with the Biden administration's war on the states. Example after example permeates the news cycle of states being smacked around by a big government mentality from D.C. and those states who have actual leadership are pushing back. I mean, there's this pesky little thing that big government federal types hate to talk about. It's called the 10th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, a part of our Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights, those 10 things that were enacted by the founding fathers to cement in the minds of all who read them, that the Constitution did not intend to centralize all governance, and it did not give the national government the ability to alter basic human rights. The Bill of Rights is an epic set of principles enshrined in our law. Things such as freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the right to bear arms, the right to due process, the right to face one's accuser and to have one's day in court. To afford the citizens the right to seek redress from their own government when it goes astray. It's an amazing set of principles that were born out of the experiences of having had none of those rights under a time of tyranny. And after spending the time and political energy to enact the first nine amendments, the founders capped off the Bill of Rights with the Tenth Amendment, the final say. 
the word that seals in all those things in the first nine amendments and says that whatever other powers don't actually belong to the federal government, that those powers are devolved thereby to the states, and the states shall not only have a right but a sovereign duty to act in the best interests of their citizens by enacting such state laws and resisting such federal laws that would in any way impugn the validity of the state's duties to do so. So when you see efforts by the federal government to do things like, oh, I don't know, force an abortion pill on the states and claim that VA hospitals will begin conducting abortions regardless of whether a state is a legal pro-life state, well, then you're looking at an attempted abrogation of the Tenth Amendment. When you see a federal government that ignores a southern border that is wreaking havoc on the citizens of the border states and then demanding the border states stop trying to build their own wall to protect their citizens, well, you're looking at an infringement on state sovereignty. When you hear that requests for religious accommodations in the wake of an unwise vaccine mandate are being denied in blanket fashion and that a state is set to lose up to 15% of its National Guard, like Alabama, then you're looking at harm being wrought on a state by a centralized federal entity. When the Federal Department of Labor gives out instructions that fiduciary duties are to be ignored in the management of state retirement funds because ESG, or environmental, social, and governance scores, mean more than profitability, at that point you're looking at a violation of a state's fiduciary sovereignty in providing for its citizens. Or when an activist mentality in D.C. denies and cancels the use of state territorial waters for oil and gas exploration, thereby having a dramatic negative impact on the revenues that states rely on for budgeting, like Alabama, well, at that point, you're looking at a financial encroachment by the feds against the stability of the states. Now, listen, I am absolutely a fan of the federal government. I'm not a fan of the overreach of federal government. I know there's a role, and I believe that it is ordained, and I believe that the scriptures tell us that we are to honor those in authority. But I can also recognize when those in authority step outside their lanes, and they have to be told so. It's one thing to see the pettiness in denying a celebration at Mount Rushmore, but it's quite another to know that a federal government has so little respect for the actual constitutional rights of a state to do what it must do, what it is required to do, to support and defend the welfare of its people within the borders of its state. We are all one great nation, but the founders, in a sense, gave each one of us our own bedrooms in the same house and allowed us to decorate the walls in that part of the house ourselves. The Tenth Amendment, it means something. It's there for a reason. And based on what I'm seeing, it's a good thing that it is. And that's a wrap for the right side way. Well, there you have it. I'm half in lawyer mode. <laughs> We're going to talk more about that when we get back, though. We're going to hit number one of the triple dipper and just keep that same vein going. State action. You're going to be impressed by things that are happening with your own state attorney general, with the governor of Texas, with the governor of Florida. I mean, there are some things that are happening right now that clearly indicate that there is a reason the Tenth Amendment exists, and there's a reason why state officials have to enforce it. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all the North Alabama solid conservative and just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. 
Hey, listen, uh, we've already got the text lines are open. If you want to text in, the number is 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Um, and, uh, and I'll be honest with you, it's, it's, it's just amazing to me to, to watch the text lines going and, uh, and to see what is happening daily with the interaction. With, I mean, I love this audience. What, what, Boomer and I get cracked up sometimes. And by the way, I will say, too, that sometimes the audience has engagements that we hadn't even planned on. Like, for instance, I'll just go ahead and throw it out there. Uh, Tyler, hope you don't mind me doing this. Boomer and I just prayed here in the studio. Tyler from Huntsville just texted in. He's a truck driver. Said he's up in in Virginia. There's a multiple truck accident with fatalities, and he said pray for the driver's families. So, anyway, uh, yes, we are. Yes, we did, Tyler. If you're listening, just know that we actually paused and prayed together in the studio. And uh, blessings on you, my friend. Um, so yeah, uh, we've also got the uh, the website, um, which is showing that old show, and and all kinds of things that are happening here. Uh, in the studio that are just amazing to me because Boomer's Mr. Tech Man. <laughs> I'm the guy. So I'll be honest. I just, just, just saying, and, and anybody who's been in the military, anybody who's been in the military is, is, is probably got what I'm talking about here. When I say this is that uh, I was what they called a push to talk guy. I, it, it, literally, if, if my radio guy, if my radio guy would say, I'd say, Hey, uh, like I remember his name was Seleski in Afghanistan. I say Seleski. I need to talk to headquarters. Yeah, Roger that, sir. But uh, hey, listen, uh, frequency modulation, amplitudes, <laughs> uh, sunspots, uh, you know, time of day, uh, yada, yada. I'd look at him and go, Seleski, if I push the little button while I talk to somebody, oh, yes, sir. That's all I want to know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I come to work. I come here. And we were just talking about the fact that I could do this show remotely if I wanted to. But I love being in the studio. Boomer and I get to interact together when we do that. But, but literally, I have no idea what all these buttons do. <laughs> Even the ones on your desk. You, I don't you know, know which what they one, are. You know one button. Your I mute button. The mute button. <laughs> I, I know how to do that one so I can sneeze without telling the whole world that I sneezed. Unless they're watching. Just saying. Then they're going to see you. They're going to see you. <laughs> Yeah, well, you got cameras at so many angles. I I can't I can't even like. There's nothing I could do inappropriate. I just you know nope, just, just, <laughs> I just I, yeah. Cameras are everywhere. Um, but hey, listen. Uh, what I'm also stoked about is the fact that we got a great team here, um, and I mean that when I say that. So you know y'all y'all don't get to see Alicia. Alicia is uh, the cat herder. She's uh, she's in the office running things. Boomer's in here making all the buttons work and the microphones turn on and you know and putting things up on social media, and then I just get to talk and. <laughs> I mean, I do other stuff, but nonetheless, my, my do way more other stuff. Okay, some <laughs> uh, sleep is highly overrated. Let's but we'll just say we all have a great time in here together. We do, we do. But I, but I think the audience gets that too. So here's the thing, folks. I mean, I'm going to tell you, this show has grown exponentially in the last year and a half. I mean, go figure. I was telling somebody on the phone this morning. I, I don't even know what I don't know about radio. I've never, I've never done this before. I'm loving doing it because of the connectivity with the audience. But on this show, you're going to hear constantly what I call the mission and the message. The mission is that every single day, and I say it all the time, don't I? The mission is that every single day, I hope you listen to this show and we do what I call the four E's. We're going to educate, enlighten, empower, and entertain you. Uh, and give you what it means to be a conservative walking around in today's world, arm you for those water cooler conversations so that when someone says, hey, why do you believe what you believe? Shabam! You've got new talking points that we just talked about the day before. That's, that's the mission. But the mission is driven by the message. And I'm not kidding when I say this. I hope that on this show, the things you glean from this are that we stand for the fact that, in my opinion, Jesus is Lord, America is great, Alabama is beautiful, and oh, by the way, life is worth living. Mm. Uh, so... Um, that, that, that's, that's the mission and the message. Um, and it carries through in everything we do. I, I write an op-ed that comes out every week. Uh, we do the show five days a week. We podcast the show. 
Where are we at today on the podcast, though, dude? Oh yeah, we're I'm we're go, up I'm there. Gonna, hang on, I'm going to guess. I'm okay. going to say 111,200. Oh, you're no. No. 112,100. Shut my mouth. <laughs> so, all right. So, and is California still our second biggest audience? California, yes. Come on, California. By the way, later this week, we're scheduled to have a California state senator on the show with us. No way. I told her second biggest audience for the podcast is out yonder on, yes. the, left, on the left coast. We love you, California. <laughs> Absolutely. And then tomorrow's the day, Boomer. Tomorrow's the tomorrow day. Tomorrow is the day. All right. So tomorrow's the day. It's not just Camel Day. Tomorrow nope. Hump Day, we call it. But uh, tomorrow is the day when we launch the second round of, uh, you know, communique from, communique. from right like side. That. Yeah. So uh, the uh, po- the true podcast of Boomer and McQueen, The yes. Right Life. The Right Life. The Right Life. You, you already got, what, three in the can? Yeah, four. It'll four. be four. There'll be four released tomorrow. Four released podcasts. That's right. Tomorrow as part of the Right Side family. This one's called The Right Life with Boomer himself and his lovely bride we call McQueen. That's right. So Boomer and McQueen doing their gig. And, yeah. uh, Y'all should go just to listen to McQueen. You should. <laughs> you should. She cracks me up. You, oh man! You married a live wire, man. I did. I married up. You married up. I mean, she's your better three quarters. Absolutely. Like to say. The lovely Charlene is definitely my better nine tenths. That's. Uh, <laughs> but all right, we got all that and more. We're proud of this show. We're proud of having an audience like this. And uh, Tony from Piedmont just texted in. He says, "I like mute buttons. <laughs> just doesn't work in real life." <laughs> no, that's called self-discipline. Self-discipline is the mute button of life, brother Tony. Mm. Um, we got uh, Brian from Huntsville texting in saying, uh, thanks for the prayers of the truckers. says, my wife taught me, never say you will pray for someone until you close your eyes and send at least a silent prayer first. And we, well, we, we did it, an out loud prayer, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe from Owens Crossroads, um, he says, push to talk is way better than the guys that are pushed to think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, at least I got a thought and I'm ready when the button gets pushed. Um, JT from Lacey Springs says, you need a shirt. I drink coffee and do stuff, but Boomer doesn't drink coffee. Uh, I don't. I don't. Well, yeah, we have to work on that. Right. It's still coming. I'm just <laughs> still saying. Still coming. Still coming. I got to work on it. We're going we're gonna to have some Java on the desk one day, and Boomer's going to sip it and go, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> this is... This is like black gold. We're gonna. It's, it's gonna be loaded up with milk and sugar just for to make you just feel okay. <laughs> just to make me feel good. Here's some girl coffee. We'll get you some girl <laughs> coffee. All right, we're taking a break right now. We're gonna come right back and jump into the triple dipper state action. Uh, you're gonna want to hear what your attorney general's been up to. I kind of like it. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative, just plain right, covering some major ground across the northern half of the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about this show goes way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville. Tuscaloosa back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. Um, text lines are wide open. Uh, Shelton from Harvest has texted in and said, I'm a 75-year-old grandfather and did not get to text yesterday. After listening to your opening monologue, I was ready to go sign up. That was yesterday's monologue on the uh, – yeah, that was a good one. Uh, that was the uh, the one where the Medal of Honor winner talked about uh, – uh, basically, uh, if you come against our country, someone else will be raising your children. And that was, I think that one fired up some people. But yeah, hey, Shelton, thank you much, man. Appreciate you being a listener. Uh, Dustin from Hazel Green, um, he sent me some stuff. I'll take a look at it. Dustin, appreciate that very much. Um, and then uh, Jeff from Indiana says, you have Boomer bouncing off the walls. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, if we give you coffee, I guess. Oh, I probably would be. There, oh, ha, let's do this. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a squirrel. There was a... Uh, there was this, I've forgotten what the name of it was. This guy used to call in uh, to people and do prank calls and, and say, well, how big an old boy are you? I can come over there and find nothing for me to whoop a man. And he would challenge him. But he called one time, and it was hilarious. He called this little restaurant. He goes, yeah, I want to know which one of you boys gave, gave, gave my feller some caffeine coffee. And he goes, what are you talking about? You gave my boy some caffeine coffee. He's done gone crazy. Drive off the road. Every bit of it's your fault. You give him that caffeine coffee. That caffeine coffee. And so anyway, yeah. <laughs> Boomer, give you some caffeine coffee. I'm gonna get that caffeine coffee. And Jeff from Holly Pond wants to know what you drink in the morning. Do you do you do you have a morning wake up drink? I no, no, not really. I mean, I drink water right now, right before a run. That's about it. <laughs> I just I just don't understand this at all. <laughs> I mean, I guess I sometimes I have like a protein shake, but I don't know. Boomer, I know I need I need some type of routine, guys. <laughs> I'm I'm getting the eye if you can't see it already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it's Roy D. Mercer. Thank you so much, Dustin from Hazel Green. It was Roy D. Mercer. It's Roy D. Mercer. Yeah, how big an old boy are you anyway? Make me come on over. There ain't nothing for me to whoop a man. That's uh, anyway. Yeah, it's hilarious. Roy D. Mercer, caffeine coffee. All right, let's jump into the triple dipper. Um, so, so here's the thing. Action by state officials. Uh, it's interesting when you look at the Tenth Amendment. Okay, I'm so. Oh, did I just? I totally switched gears, didn't I? I just jumped right out of caffeine coffee and I went straight into business. But here's the deal: the state action is sometimes designed to prevent federal action on purpose. I mean, sometimes it's interstate. All right, like it's going to be you know you and another state. Sometimes it's intrastate, and I get that. Sometimes intrastate activity is very important, too. It's amazing. Like, here's a story, by the way. Before I jump into what you can do as a state agency or a state official regarding federal overreach, here's one that I just appreciate. This is a clear indication that the attorney general is not just about prosecuting crimes. He's about supporting and defending the people of the state. So this case I uh, got in front of me, this, this story comes off of 1819 News, came out today. Says Attorney General Marshall files a lawsuit to prevent scheduled release of over 400 inmates. So apparently, just uh, in 2021, the current legislature, which would be after I left, um, the current legislature passed a bill that retroactively applies back to 2015 and allows for mandatory release of prisoners uh, when they are within three to 12 months of their sentence. But the law requires if there was a violent crime, that the victims be notified. Well, the attorney general has now filed a lawsuit to prevent the early release of 400 inmates. He says he did it because, in his view, 
the Bureau of Pardons and Paroles. It's uh, chaired or directed right now by my, my friend, former state senator Cam Ward, uh, and Alabama Com- Department of Corrections Commissioner John Hamm. He says they have not done their job on notifying the victims of the violent crimes that the victimizer may be released from prison early. They have a right to know that. Um, Marshall's lawsuit claims the ADOC, the Department of Corrections, has yet to carry out the notification of victims' families as is required by the 2021 law. And now Marshall is seeking an emergency motion for temporary restraining order to prevent the release. Uh, uh, Senator Ward, uh, Cam Ward, Director Ward, I guess he is now, uh, the Bureau of Pardons and Paroles, he, he, he literally basically threw it off on Aaliyah. He says the notification process, that's Aaliyah, the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency, state troopers and all. He said that's their gig, and, and that's, I'm paraphrasing, that's what he said. Um, anyway, the end result is sometimes the action of our state officials is to protect us in trust state. But what's really interesting to me in light of the topic that I had today in my monologue is what it's like when you see state entities, state executives, state uh, officials take a stand for something that falls within their wheelhouse against a federal overreach, which is exactly what the 10th Amendment is for. So here's another story. This also came from 1819 News. It came out uh, today. Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall joins a lawsuit over the Department of Labor's new ESG rules. So if you remember, we've talked about it on the show many times, ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governance. ESG is when Basically, it's not about how much profit you make for your shareholders or the people for, for, for whom you manage a portfolio. It's not about that at all. It's not about, you know, profitability and your, your credit score if you're applying for lending for your business. No, it's not that at all. It's about how woke you are. It's about whether you care more about green energy policies and the LGBTQ agenda and whether or not you support, um, you know, pushing back against Ron DeSantis's uh, bill that, that keeps from the sexualization of children in, in elementary school. ESG, environmental, social governance, is apparently this, the hot button right now, so much so that the Federal Department of Labor recently came out with a ruling that says that 401k managers may direct clients' money that they manage into ESG investments and, quote, undermine the protections for retirees outlined in the, in the, in the ERISA Act, which is a uh, Employee Retirement Income Security Act. All that to say, no, that's not your role. If you're managing the monies of someone who retired so that they can have, you know, a gainful uh, opportunity based on their savings and their work over the years, your job is not to go, we need to find an investment fund where they, they support green energy deals and where wind farms are part of the package. No, your job is to say, how can I maximize your return? And and, and in short on something that's illegal, I mean, what you want to do is you want to find those things that are maximizing a return. And Attorney General Steve Marshall has now had to join a lawsuit with multiple other attorneys general 24 other attorneys general, actually, around the nation that are saying, look, Department of Labor, you can't just go make a rule. You can't just say, hey, uh, here's what's going to happen, because that violates the fiduciary obligations. And, oh, by the way, some of those fund site managers you just gave that rule to, they handle trillions of dollars, trillions in state retirement funds, which means you're impacting the ability of the state to provide for its people. So 
here we have it. Here's the quote. Attorney General Steve Marshall, in a statement on Monday, yesterday, says, Yet again, the Biden administration is attempting to promote its radical climate agenda at the expense of everyday Americans and their hard-earned money. With growing fears of a possible recession and rampant inflation, it is unconscionable to permit asset management to risk trillions of dollars in working-class Americans' retirement savings in pursuit of an unrealistic and radical environmental agenda. And he goes on to say they're going to take it all the way to court. And so, yeah. So, state action. When I say the Tenth Amendment matters, that's a classic example. Hey, Biden administration, you had no authority to do that. You cannot just simply say, fund site managers, do these things, because those fund site managers are handling state retirement funds. You can't do that. So we have massive numbers of state retirees who could possibly see a loss because they were told by the federal government we should you know, push for green energy or push for you know, activist agendas or what. No. And the Attorney General right. Thank you, Attorney General Steve Marshall. Um, yeah. All right, here's another one. Love this. You've seen the southern border. We've talked about it on the show multiple times. Who is the federal border czar? Um, 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 yeah, that crickets. Who's the federal border czar? Exactly. Thank you very much. So, so here's the thing. Allegedly, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris was appointed to be the border czar. I don't know that she ever really took on the role. Um, she never rejected the role, which means technically it's been an assigned duty that she's just neglected, I guess. But most recently, just yesterday, I had a story. New York City Mayor Eric Adams said that he was told with regards to his claims that the, the border issues are affecting New York City that he should talk to the point person for the federal government, and his response was, I don't know who that is. Well, in Texas, you're going to know who it is. Fox News points out that Texas GOP Governor Greg Abbott on Monday just announced the state's first-ever borders are to address the influx of migrants coming through the U.S.-Mexico border. This is a classic example. A minute ago, I had a policy that was overt. Now we have what I would call a subversive policy, which is like having no policy, basically, at the southern border. And the states are having to take their own action. And the states are having to say, listen, okay, federal government, we have a sovereign duty to our citizens, and you're crushing their souls right now. And so Texas GOP Governor Greg Abbott on Monday, this week, announced the state's first ever border czar. He tapped a veteran Border Patrol agent guy named Mike Banks to serve as, quote, special advisor on border matters to the governor. And he also, by the way, is supposed to daily collaborate with the Department of Public Safety in Texas, the Texas Military Department, and all other states. He basically, he's the, he's, the, he's the cat wrangler. He's the guy who's going to herd up things and, and go into some type of a joint operative, operative mode where he's going to tell the governor, this is what they're doing. Here's how we transfer those assets over. Here's the combined arms plan to get this done. And you don't see that from the federal government right now, do you? I mean, the Customs and Border Patrol is overwhelmed. And the state of Texas is having to do things like it's got Operation Lone Star. They're having to use their own National Guard. They're trying to build their own wall. They're, they're, they're being threatened with legal action by the federal government if they build a wall. But yet, there's no activity on the level necessary from the federal government. So what's the state supposed to do? In this case, the state has taken action, named its own border czar, and it's going to take whatever necessary action it has to to protect its citizens. Love that. Tenth Amendment. 
Boomer, take us to a break, brother. We'll do a break right now. I'm going to come right back. You're going to want to hear. So right now we got mm, Ron DeSantis going to court with uh, the Biden administration a couple weeks ago. We got attorneys general saying you can't tie free and reduced lunch monies for schools to the LGBTQ agenda. And they're having to go to court to say so. I'm telling you, that 10th Amendment, y'all, it's a good thing we have it. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Uh, we've got uh, the text lines are just all over the place right now. Some some folks are, are chiming in on the Roy D. Mercer, Bob from Decatur that says, how big an old boy are you? That, yeah, that was Roy D. Mercer, he says. Um, and then Dwayne from Winfield says, you're right, Roy D. Mercer, but uh, I, I can't, I can't, I can't tell what he's saying there, but anyway, by the way, something about being in D.C., but anyway, uh, Jeff from Holly Pond says that's what we should all do, I guess, but I got to have my coffee. Um, did you, by the way? Oh, yes. So what? we just got an email and it had a sound effect on it. Well, is this the one from Big Dave? It's or, the one from Big Dave. Big Dave, our, 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 our dude down yonder in Birmingham. We love you, Big Dave, by the way, at our Birmingham affiliates. What did he send you? Coffee time! Coffee! Coffee, 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 coffee! Cappuccino! Java! Yes! He just sent you that just now? That's what he said. (laughs) It made me laugh. Oh, well, Charlene is on me, Boomer. Why is this? You got me in in trouble with the lovely Charlene. Oh, no. Yeah, she says I'm I'm, I'm harping too much on the coffee thing. Oh, no, it's all right. I told her you're a big boy. You can handle it. I'm a big boy. How big an old boy are you? (laughs) Don't make me come over there. Uh, We'll figure it out. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Uh, David from Huntsville texting in says, uh, wishing that Kay Ivey would identify as Ron DeSantis or Greg Abbott for at least a week. Um, that's that's interesting. Um, Jeff from Indiana says, uh, Vladimir Putin is our borders are. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, Tony from Piedmont, uh, I sent like multiple texts and now I got to go back and figure out which one he wants me to refer back to. So Tony, I'll get back to it. Uh, Raven from Russell says coffee, breakfast of champions. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. Hey, next case I've got here. And by the way, top of the hour, you're going to want to stay tuned. Our buddy Jeff Poor is going to call in. And Jeff's been around politics for a long time. He also not only does what he does with 1819 News, but he's been with Breitbart. Uh, he's also got his own radio show. I want his perspective on whether he thinks that we're seeing more and more pushback against an overreaching federal government or if it's just my imagination. But, um, it's my show, so I know I'm right. <laughs> anyway, a story here on Politico. Phil, did you go to Politico? I did. Anyway, Politico has a story came out January 9th. DeSantis's lawsuit against Biden over immigration opens in Florida. So, yeah, uh, attorney generals can do it, um, and uh, so can governors. 
Governor Ron DeSantis and President Joe Biden's long-running fight over immigration moved on Monday from a battle of rhetoric to one of testimony and legal arguments. A federal judge in Pensacola heard opening arguments in DeSantis' lawsuit against Biden, which claims that the White House is neglecting current immigration policy. You think? What's, what kill, kills me is the Biden Department of Justice, their argument was, we're just doing what the policies are. There's no new policies by the administration directing, encouraging, or hinting at releasing. Well, how about this? In the absence of doing something, you have effectively said no. All right? There's, there's an old phrase. I don't know if I made it up or, just, or learned it in the Army, but, you know, a, you know a, there's the whole thing about a failure to plan is a plan to fail. Well, you know, saying nothing is like saying no. So, in essence, you're choosing not to take action. That is your policy. What a, what a lame argument. But DeSantis, it says, alleges the Biden administration has allowed thousands of migrants into the U.S. each month by ignoring policies to detain them, with many winding up in Florida. And the governor's administration contends the migrants threaten public safety. They cost the state money as it needs to accommodate more people in prisons and, uh, and, and schools and health care systems. All said and done, uh, we've even got, you know, mayors like uh, Lori Lightfoot and Eric Adams, you know, bless their hearts, uh, as liberal as they can be. That are, that are screaming now because they don't know how to take care of who's been surging into their areas from the uh, illegal border crossings. But Republican-led states like Florida, it says, have seen a surge in migrants. And DeSantis this past Friday, or a couple weeks ago actually, activated the Florida National Guard in response to hundreds of Cubans coming in by boat. And, it's, and listen, in the absence of a policy, you have effectively established a policy of absence, all right? You're basically saying, we're not gonna do anything. <laughs> we're not gonna do anything. Meantime, you spent years talking about sanctuary cities and, hey, you know, we would, if they came here, we would take care of them and love on them and pet them and feed them and give them all that they need. And so what they do, they heard that and they came. And now you're like, wait, what? You want us to feed you, house you? Do what now? How do we do this? Well, you know what? Now we're stuck. You hung out the bait and you're wondering now why you caught the, uh, the fish. Well, that's, that's where we are. A failure to act is in effect a federal policy, and the states are having to say something about it. Now, this topic is going to go on. In a minute, we're going to come back and have our discussion with Jeff Poor, and then I'll wrap this thing up probably at the end of his comments. But literally, what I'm, I've got two more stories here that we'll get into. Like, for instance, Alabama is a decidedly pro-life state. I was a very pro-life state senator when I was in the legislature. I was proud to be the sponsor of multiple bills, some of which came into law themselves and others I supported. We are a pro-life state. When that happens, and you have the Dobbs decision that said that Roe v. Wade is now overturned and the decision has been devolved to state action, and we as a state say, here's what we are, the federal government does not have the right then to come back and say, yeah, it's not what you are. We don't like that. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. In fact, we're going to send abortions your way. Abortion pills in the mail, VA clinics doing abortions. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, too. But yeah, that... And then the other one that really irks me is the very idea that children are being held hostage. What does that mean? Well, ruling that came out last year that we're still fighting right now. It's free and reduced lunch money. You only get it if you activate the LGBTQ agenda in the school that receives it. No. How about, how about feed the kids? That's what matters. All right, folks. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Jeff Poor coming up next. Y'all stay tuned.
Hey, all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. Listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international. We cover down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. All right, well, it's hour number two for today. And uh, we're going to head uh, now to the, uh, the, the the call-in line. So we got our friend Jeff Poor on the line, executive director at 1819 News. And also, by the way, the host of the Jeff Poor Show on FM Talk 106.5 down in Mobile, and uh, glad to have him with us. Jeff Poor, how you doing, brother? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, thank you for making time. Hey, listen, you guys, on 1819, y'all ran a story today that I tied right into this segment I'm in. Uh, Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall joins a lawsuit over the Department of Labor's ESG rule. So, first of all, Marshall's on it. He sees something that's a federal overreach piece. I, I guess here's, here's my first question for you, Jeff. Is it just me, or do we see more federal overreach in the Biden administration than perhaps we've ever seen? I think it really, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, was the whole COVID experience. Hmm. And using COVID uh, or using federal funds or any strings attached to federal funds as a way to push the vaccine. I mean, you know, the, the not really a very unprecedented act was a real constitutional by the courts but you know i guess the lesson for here senator to me we like to pat ourselves on the back about having richard shelby bring all this federal funding and, and every time we we take money from the federal government or something that is tied to the federal government they can start attaching a bunch of strings that may i i think contradict sort of cultural social values in alabama well i i, I totally agree in fact i've got a story that i hadn't even had a chance to get into yet that I guess I'll just go ahead and reference now. And it's an older story. It came out in the middle of last year. I got a piece off of NBC News. But they literally say that Republican attorneys general are having to sue the Biden administration because the Department of Agriculture, which is where these the monies for free and reduced lunches for schools comes from, that if you if you use the money for feeding kids in schools who can't eat otherwise that you've got to, uh, you've got to uh, start activating the LGBTQ agenda the Biden administration wants or you don't get the money. I mean... For the love, but there's a stringer. There's a, there's a classic point of what you're talking about: overreach, reaching into state issues, but you're using money and they're tying their policies to it. Well, that's a, isn't that the, the reason why we shouldn't be so like uh, head over heels for federal money? Is like, look, they could come into your backyard, 
start dictating how you're going to conduct your affairs, stuff that's typically delegated to the states to handle. And because the person that's in charge of the federal government or the people in charge of the federal government don't like the way the states are handling their affairs as laid out by the Constitution, they're going to uh, they're going to start threatening your money. And, and uh, you know, it's just something kind of perverse about threatening school lunches. Uh, they, they really took issue with the uh, the bathroom bill yeah. uh, in, in Alabama schools, public schools. And this was one of the examples where they said, well, you know, we're going to uh, you're either going to do away with that law that the legislature passed or uh, maybe we'll we'll roll back some of these, uh, you know, these nutrition benefits for schools. It, it's a, yeah, it boggles the mind. I think it also tends to show that they, they care less about people, more about policies, because these are children who may not get a meal or a good meal at the very least uh, at home, and that's what the fun, funds are there for. But I saw it in other places, too. I mean, you see things like um, we, we actually, as a state, make a great deal of money from the royalties from offshore oil and gas exploration in our state territorial waters in the Gulf Coast. And, um, and when you see the Biden administration activate its green agenda and then shut off all oil and gas leases and explorations, we as a state are losing money for our rainy day fund. We're not getting those funds in. And so those decisions, it's like they don't care. They just make a decision. Katie barred the door. Your thoughts? Well, and, and I, I wonder, like, I don't think I, I don't know this for a fact. I, I just I, I don't I, I if Joe Biden, we had to ask him, he probably is a you know a global warmer and believes in anthropogenic climate change and 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 whatnot. But but it seems like what this really is is a way to pay off the green community for his election. And 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 it goes to that. It goes to the Keystone Pipeline. It goes to other leases around the country. It's it's like it's like they're having to repay some kind of favor. Uh, that that got them elected. It, it's just it's a it was a policy they instituted. And I know we talked about it during the campaign. We saw a bunch of discussion about it during the Democratic primary, but it was something that really was not when Biden assumed the presidency. He didn't talk about it like we're going to do this. It just happened suddenly, and no one really. I, I you know, like imagine putting money in something like the Keystone Pipeline as an investor, and that suddenly happened the way it was, and they just well, we're going to cancel the project. It, it, it makes me wonder, like, what kind of you know, what kind of uh, analysis, did, critical analysis did they do before instituting these policies? And it doesn't appear that there was any. And that's what makes me think, well, they're just paying off some kind of, this is somebody somewhere really, really, really wanted this to happen. Yeah. Well, then and there's that. And then there's the, the whole idea of having no policy, like the southern border. I, I mentioned a minute ago, right before you came on the air, uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott just today uh, appointed his own, I think it was today or yesterday, just appointed his own borders are. So he's got an internal, he's got to, had to go out and hire a person, give them a full-time gig to be his borders are, Operation Lone Star, putting National Guard on the border, trying to build his own wall. And it's because there has been a refusal to implement uh, policies that are effective on the border. And that's a classic example of the federal government just choosing not to do something that it should be doing. Right. Because the law's on the books. Uh, you know, you go all the way back to Simpson, Missouli in 1986. And the law is on the books. It it, it, it it just is. This is how you're supposed to enforce the border. Uh, we've had administration after administration not really do that properly, and, and we paid the price for it. But it's if we go back to when they impeached Donald Trump the first time and they went after him for Ukraine and not fulfilling the desire, the wishes of a duly elected Congress and getting whatever aid to Ukraine without some strings attached – 
Well, this this new this this ideological approach toward open borders that Alejandro Mayorkas is notorious for long before he was DHS oh, yeah. secretary, oh, yeah. and this policy it's anath it's, it's anti it's antithetical to existing law. I mean, that seems to be just as big of a sin with the Biden administration. It's not a question of policy. Policy is one thing. It's just how you're going to execute the law, but they're just uh, going uh, against the law. They're contradicting the law here. Well, I tell you what, uh, Jeff, in about the two or three minutes we got left, I got to switch gears on you. I didn't tell you this was coming, but you guys ran a story that came out, I think, yesterday. State Representative Chestnut files a bill to prohibit the mandatory uh, employee microchipping. Have you did you dig into that story yourself? I know Craig Monger is the one who wrote it, but that's a creepy story if you get down to it. And I, I don't know if you had a chance to dig into it yourself, but I'm looking at it thinking that's a Democrat supporting a bill that I really like because there better not be any mandatory microchipping yeah. in Alabama. It's like we're uh, we're being microchipped like we're dogs. No, uh, <laughs> Craig, uh, you know he's just watching the bills that are being. <laughs> you you go microchip your dog, right? Right. Uh, uh, Craig's watching the pre-filed bills as they come across, and 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 that one came up. And I don't, it's not clear to us exactly what the uh, what the motivation is here from uh, uh, Representative Chestnut. Why this is? Uh, is there a, a company in, in his district that says, "Hey, you know, we're going to start microchipping our employees to make sure we know when they come and go"? I don't know, but uh, it's it's like you're you're saying, though, well. Uh, they always talk about this, uh, Senator. Uh, it's a uh, solution in search of a problem. I mean, maybe that's the case here, but I don't necessarily mind it sometimes, I guess. No, I, I don't. In fact, uh, I did a little study on it. I'm going to do a segment after you and I get off here. I'm going to call it Too Much Tech, and this is the lead story on it. And, and what I found is there's 10 other states that have already done this, and there are multiple companies that are doing what they call voluntary microchipping. So you can be, uh, they can tell where you are at work. You can use your microchip in your hand to get food at the counter in the in the cafeteria and open your doors and even tell you uh, how to activate your computers. And I'm just I'm just saying, big fat no to the mark of the beast is where I'm at on this thing. I don't want to see it. Um, and so I think I'm gonna try and get Chestnut on the show and just give him a chance to talk about his bill. Yeah, it's just like an invasion of your bodily autonomy. I, I, I so I. I, I I'm uh, I'm I'm pro bans on prohibitions on um, uh, people being microchipped like I do my two golden doodles. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, listen, uh, Jeff, I appreciate you. Uh, tell them where they can find out more about eighteen nineteen news or your own show if you want to. Go ahead and tell them. Uh, 1819 News is easy, 1819news.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Uh, check me out, twitter.com backslash Jeff underscore poor, and that's sort of the one-stop shop for everything I do. All right, brother. Appreciate you. You have a great day, man. Oh, hey, thanks wow. for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Tell you what, Boomer, we're going to go take the break right now. We'll come right back. I'll put a lid on this thing, finishing up this state action, because you do want to hear about these two stories that I've got, I know. The one about the uh, school meals and the other one um, about uh, VA abortion policies in our state when we're a pro-life state. Come on. Yeah, we'll do that, and then we'll go into the next one, which I already kind of baited for you. Too much tech. This one has got some creep factor written on, like like Skynet becoming aware. You know what I'm saying? Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Um, boom, you got you got little ones. You got you got little dudes in school now. I do. Little dudes in school. Little dude in school. I mean, that's part of why y'all moved back here, was you made a choice to put your little dude in the school you knew, right? Uh, that's right. All right, so how would you feel if you knew that little dude was in a school that took money for free and reduced lunches, which is, you know, there to help in underprivileged kids uh, have a meal, right? Okay. It, it funds that, okay. Um, but that it was important that the LGBTQ agenda be taught in the school uh, and that gender fluidity and all that kind of stuff was, was allowed in the school, and that was necessary in order to get the money for the free and reduced lunch. Um, well, <laughs> I know he I probably baited that would... question hard. <laughs> if I found out about it, I probably, uh, uh, I would not like it. <laughs> the, the, the school that your little guy goes to. Yes. Uh, little dude goes to a school that has deliberately chosen not to take federal money for that very reason, unless something's changed. I'm pretty sure it's still the same. Right. I mean, they don't want to, they don't want anything pushed upon them. Exactly. For that very reason. Right. And you know, I, I it, there was a point in time, uh, me just talking to you, but there was a point and everybody else apparently, <laughs> but there was a point in time when I was on the board at the same school we're talking about. And I, I, I was, I was concerned. Are we passing up money? Are we passing up the opportunity to fund things that we could do? And are we really going to see that much interaction? But now we're literally seeing it like they're, the, the U.S. Department of Agriculture is withholding funds for lunches if you don't do the whole LGBTQ school meal guidance they put out. Uh, what the, I that blows it. my mind. I mean, yeah. why are they pushing? I, I still just, it doesn't comprehend in my head why they're pushing so much of these, you know, just small political nonsense on our kids. Yeah, I, I think it's because what I said the other day in that op-ed that I came out with on Monday, um, that uh, conservatives want to educate our kids. Liberal progressives just want our kids. Yeah. Because they're trying to make the next generation of liberal progressives. Mm. They're trying to validate They're trying to validate their own um, worldview by teaching kids to accept their worldview so when they grow up, the worldview perpetuates. Yeah. Okay. I wow. Just, yeah. I just coined that. You're welcome to go ahead and take that and make a podcast <laughs> out of it. But uh, yeah, here's the story. NBC News. This story came out in July of last year, by the way. But it's, it, it goes to the point, my state action segment here on uh, the Triple Dipper, it goes to the point that states have got to be willing to say no or to say, we're going to do this because you won't say yes. Here's a classic example. More than 20 Republican attorneys general filed a lawsuit last July, against President Joe Biden's administration of a Department of Agricultural School Meal Program that prohibits discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. The challenge is led by our Tennessee neighbor to the north, the Attorney General Herbert Slattery. Or Slattery. He claims the federal government is attempting to force states and schools to follow anti-discrimination requirements that misconstrue the law. So the coalition of AGs are hoping for a similar result to a separate challenge from earlier this month when a Tennessee judge, it says, barred two state agencies from enforcing such directives. Here's the bottom line, y'all. They are putting out that if you want the money to feed the kids, that you've got to do the whole, um, you know, sexual orientation, gender identity part of the Biden administration's policies and that's absolutely not what's supposed, what's supposed to not happening. That is absolutely antithetical to the idea of states being able to say within their own rights what their citizens will or will not allow in schools. I mean, this is unbelievable. 
This is not even, by the way, it's not even coming from the Department of Education. It's coming from the Department of Agriculture. The story I had a minute ago about A.G. Marshall came from the Department of Labor. The story I told you about the, the offshore oil and gas, uh, uh, you know, it's crushing our ability to gain revenues for the state, that came from the Department of Energy. President Biden said we took office, he would have an all-of-government approach, and he certainly does. Here's one more, the Department of Veterans Affairs. Story came out in November of this past year, just, what, three months ago. Fifteen Republican state attorneys general are warning the Department of Veterans Affairs they will act decisively if the department doctors perform abortions that violate state law. We are a pro-life state. I'm proud of it. We are a decidedly pro-life state. We are not just a pro-life state. We have it embedded in our state constitution that there is no constitutional right under Alabama law for an abortion. And yet what we're seeing right now is in the, in the aftermath of the Dobbs decision, that the Biden administration is determined to kill as many babies as they possibly can. Oh, Phil, that's a rather rough way of saying it. It's the truth. 15 Republican state's attorney generals are warning the VA they will act decisively in a letter Thursday to VA Secretary Dennis McDonough, organized by AG of Mississippi. The attorneys general argued that the VA's abortion policy implemented earlier this year is deeply flawed. And the federal department cannot just override duly enacted laws. Here's my point that I've been saying all along. They actually said those who perform abortions based on this interim final rule and in defiance of state or federal laws do so at their own risk. They went on to say, too, we will not allow you to use this rule to erect a regime of elective abortions that defy state laws. We stand ready to move decisively against departures from the rules, terms, or promises we will enforce our duly enacted state laws and hold you accountable for violations of federal law. Folks, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to put a lid on this thing. Just, I'm telling you this. The Tenth Amendment, the, the, the capstone, if you will, to the Bill of Rights, literally says that while Congress may have the power to regulate and even to subject states at times to you know, applicable federal laws, the actual power ends when it reaches too far into what they call the retained dominion of state autonomy. In other words, the 10th Amendment says, hey, federal government, we're not going back to the days when the king dictated everything and it was all centralized and we had taxation without representation and we were not allowed the control of our land. We had no redress against our government. None of it. We're not doing that again. And in order to say we're not doing that, we have set ourselves up as a republic. We have state sovereignty with independent state legislatures who within the bounds of the constitutional authorities granted them can pass state laws. And when the federal government decides it wants to do what it wants to do or not do what it wants to do, those states have a duty, an obligation to follow through on the enforcement of their own laws and the protection of their own citizens. And that's just the way it is. And I hope what you saw here was a list of things that clearly indicate that's going on now. All right, folks, we're coming right back, switching gears. Too much tech. Holy cow, you're going to want to hear this one. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid and conservative and just plain right. Covering down on some ground across the northern half of the great state of Alabama and parts beyond. I'm telling you, this show, man, we go way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville. We're Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. And, uh, and by the way, there's our podcast audience, too. So, uh, hello, California. Boomer, what's our second biggest audience besides uh, California in the podcast? Is it Ohio still? Oh, it is. Oh, of course, I just pushed the wrong button. Oh. I X out of it. But uh, I see there's... Don't say that. I've been playing you up on the button. I know. The I know. I, that was my fault. Oh, here it is right here. We got... So California US, is still California, Ohio. Ohio is. Ohio, the... But only by like five. North, oh. North Carolina is right there with them. Oh, wow. I know. Okay. Well, cool. All right. Hey, um, listen, before I go any further, too, I got to tell you, our, our friends over there at Riley and Jackson Law Firm, uh, I know these folks personally, uh, and I got to tell you, they do an amazing job. They've got decades of experience at helping make people whole because of the negligence of others. Well, Riley and Jackson Law Firm, they're based out of Birmingham, but they operate statewide, multiple attorneys on staff. They've got a couple of cases they want to make sure that you knew about. It doesn't mean you have to call them just for these cases, but here's the thing. If you... Uh, wherever at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1987, whether you were a service member, a contractor, a dependent, doesn't matter. If you were there, you may well have been exposed to uh, contaminated water that has been attributed to 19 different major illnesses. So you can call them. They'll talk you through it, tell you whether they think you have a claim and you won't get charged for the call. The other one they've been working on is this firefighting foam thing. If you haven't heard, if you were a first responder, a firefighter, uh, or in the military using firefighting foam, you may have been exposed to a carcinogenic version of firefighting foam that, yeah, you may qualify for a claim. All that to say, Riley and Jackson is working on this and other things, and they'll be glad to get your call. They told me they got multiple uh, new clients signed up from the Right Side audience, but here's their number. I'm going to give it to you. 205-879-5000. These are my friends. I've worked with them on cases. I've worked with them on you know causes. They are not just good on the law, they're good on politics, if you know what I mean. So Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. That's 205-879-5000. And please tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Uh, oh, here's that thing I got to do, too, by the way. You got to me? <gasps> no representation made the quality of legal services before is great. The quality of legal services before the lawyers. 2.83. I'm, I'm stuck at 2.8. <laughs> the lips just don't move faster than 2.8. That's a lot of words. It's to a fit lot in of there. words. Oh, I wanted to tell you also on the podcast real quick. Yeah. You know, we only have, there's only 17 states. That's it. That don't listen right now. We need to get oh. those states. Oh. Come on. Name me a state that doesn't listen. Who is it? Uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. C- come on, Oklahoma. Where the wind rolls rolling down the plains. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Come on, Oklahoma. Iowa and Nebraska, too. Iowa? Come on, Iowa? And Nebraska? Yeah. We're going to have to work on these. These are corn huskers and (laughs) sooners, and yeah, absolutely. I have family in Iowa. I need to call them. What's wrong with you? I've dropped the ball. For the love. Okay. Okay. (laughs) 50 lashes with a wet noodle. All right. Ah. Uh, Jeremy from Huntsville just chimed in a minute ago about mandatory microchipping. He says, mandatory microchipping is the mark of the beast. I tend to agree. I could see it being that. Jeff from Indiana says, so who's going to enforce the enforcers to enforce? It's a great question. Um, David from Huntsville uh, sent me a link, and I don't know what it is, so David, I have to get back to that link. Thank you much. Brian from Huntsville says, good thing it's not school breakfast federally subsidized with the price of eggs. It would add another trillion to the budget. That is true. By the way, 
Tucker Carlson did an amazing expose last night on the number of ways by which our food supply chain is being disrupted by weird events, not the least of which is a major egg farm burned down just a couple of days ago. Yeah. And, and there's, there's also, there's also um, chicken, you know, egg farmers that are saying that it's like some of them are saying their eggs, their, their chickens have quit laying eggs, period. Like one guy said, I've been doing this for years, never seen anything like this. It's been like months without eggs. And they believe that it may be something to do with the chicken feed. And so they're switching feeds. And some of them are seeing immediate results by switching the feed, which makes you wonder, what happened to that chicken Interesting. feed? There's so many ways that a foreign entity could screw with our, 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 our economy and our, our total environment. Um, but uh, anyway, Tucker Carlson last night, it was, it was fascinating in a weird and kind of icky sort of way. Um, Tony from Piedmont uh, says... Um, uh, what do you say? New Mexico. What, what's he saying? He likes, I don't know what he's saying. here. something about Alex Baldwin and, uh, the New Mexico. Anyway, uh, I'll get to it, Tony, and try to figure out what you're telling me, brother. Uh, Sandy from Harvest says, sounds like minority report is soon to become a reality. Yes. Great segue into my next piece. Story on 1819 news. And by the way, I just reached out to, um, someone in the state legislature and said, Hey, can you give me state representative chestnuts, uh, phone number? I want to, I want to reach out to him. Because he may be a Democrat, but uh, but I, 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 I like this bill. It doesn't matter. I mean, I, I'm, I'm bipartisan. And if it's a good bill, it's a good bill. And I want to know more about it. Uh, I want to I get into the details and make sure I know what the bill says. But the premise, I like the premise. So 1819 News has a story that came out uh, yesterday. State Representative Chestnut, Democrat from Selma, has two other co-sponsors, one of whom is uh, State Representative Anthony Daniels, the minority leader in the House, uh, a Democrat who I, I, I really like Anthony Daniels. He's a great guy. And another one, Kevin Lawrence from Haneyville. Anyway, all three Democrats. The bill would make it a Class D felony for any company or state entity to require its employees to receive any microchip implants or any other permanent identification marker as a condition for employment. The bill does not prohibit voluntary microchipping. Okay. So, Boomer, if you came to work tomorrow and I said, hey, uh, folks, listen, here uh, at Right Side, we're doing the microchip thing. You can't log in and turn on your mics. You can't do anything unless you've got this chip implanted under your skin. Do I keep you as an employee? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I just walk right out. <laughs> no, no microchipping here. I can mandate the coffee, but I can't mandate the microchip. <laughs> I'll, I'll try the coffee again. <laughs> now, this seems this seems like... Freaky stuff, but yeah. folks like like Jeff Poor said a minute ago, we microchip dogs already, and and it's you know it's the kind of True. thing that helps you find your pet if they get lost. They have an RFID ID indicator, and, and they you know it's passive, but you can scan it and find them. Okay, believe it or not, if you're not familiar with this, microchipping of employees has actually been on the rise in recent years. I kid you not. Wow. And by the way, this is. I mean, I almost feel like this is, by the way, this show is not a conspiracy theory show. This is not the late night UFOs are swarming around this kind of show. But nonetheless, I will tell you, I have said before that in my opinion, the two things that could cause mandatory microchipping around the nation are A, pandemic. Did you get your vaccine? Here's how we prove it. Or B, we got to get control of our southern border. And the only way to do it is to tell if you're supposed to be here or not. If you're not supposed to be here, your microchip won't say so. I could see those two things happening. Yeah. Okay. So with the pandemic thing, right. they started doing the the card. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in my head was, wow, that's just one more step closer to the microchipping. Yeah. 
I agree. And anybody, by the way, who's been in the military has a CAC card. Okay. CAC card. This is just basically it looks. It's your ID card. Okay. But it has a microchip implanted in it. That CAT card is what is necessary for you to log into your computer at work. That that CAT card also tells uh, has data about you embedded in the card. Um, they can scan it. They can also scan the chip in the card. Um, you, you look at that and go, wow. And then how many of us have credit cards now that have microchips in them? Yeah. Those microchips are so thin, there's nothing that would prevent it from being put under your skin. So wow. what we're seeing right now, this bill, there's two types of chips. There's RFIDs. Uh, radio field identification chips are passive, they say. They're, they just have to come in contact with the transmitter to give their data away. Um, <laughs> passive. It's a chip under my skin. It's passive. Near-field communication, or NFC chips, use an electromagnetic field to wirelessly, almost like a Bluetooth, they wirelessly communicate to other digital readers in close proximity. And those, by the way, can be hacked. So I'm looking at this thinking, mm, no. The article says... There are no U.S.-based businesses that are mandating microchipping yet, but there are 10 states that have already passed laws mandating that you cannot do so in those state borders. Okay, interesting. I thought, okay, where else do we go with this story? I mean, that's a, uh, I, I'm thinking, is this, is this much of a thing? Apparently, it's a thing. Here's a story that may fall into the I kid you not category. From 2019, Boom Shakalaka. Whoa. So several years ago. I'm looking at it right now, holding it up to the camera. It's legit. In fact, this is a short story, and I highlighted every line of it. <laughs> <laughs> a Wisconsin company became the first U.S. company to provide its employees implantable microchips. It's a company called Three Square Market. I don't know what they do. But it said in a press release, their employees will be given an optional opportunity to be implanted with a chip which would then allow them to make purchases in the break room. Uh, it would allow them to open doors. It would allow them to log into their computers, use the copy machine, all of it, because they agreed to take a chip. I wonder how many of their employees. It says over 50 employees are expected to be voluntarily chipped. That was back in 2019. Wow. And it's, it's similar to an office key card, but it does not have GPS tracking capability. So they, they can't find you. I guarantee, I guarantee you that can be amended. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, they already have bossware on people's computers who are working at home. They can tell when you've hit print or when you've uh, logged into your system or when you use certain software. Um, this is one more. St this is this is creep factor to me. I'm just saying. Absolutely. Um, I'll wrap Ooh. this section up before the break and to say this because there's a little bit more on tech that I'll talk about. But but yeah, human microchip implants take center stage. Article on the Hill. This is from last week. So the novelty of replacing one's home key with a microchip implant is gaining worldwide interest. But there's another more compelling story under the surface. Why is this technology reviled by some and celebrated by self-proclaimed human cyborgs? <laughs> okay, so basically the bottom line is <laughs> this thing points out that this is a thing that's happening. That it says in Germany, for example, more than 2,000 German citizens have opted to receive implants. One man even used it to store a link to his last will and testament embedded in his skin. And as chip storage capacity increases, his users may even link to the complete works of Shakespeare if they want it. And I'm saying, how about no? How about not just no, but no? And it goes on to affirm again. Ten state legislatures have already passed statutes to ban employers from requiring employees to receive. But listen, we're a hair's breadth away. 
This is one of those, by the way, that you look at it and go, and Jeff Poor made the phrase, coined the phrase a minute ago, sometimes it's a solution in looking, looking in search of a problem. This is real. And I really believe that we're seeing the possibility that microchipping of U.S. citizens could be on the horizon. Um, we got a uh, caller. Is that Brian? Brian from Huntsville. How you doing, brother? Uh, not too chipper, oh. but uh, oh. otherwise okay. Well, I'm sorry, man. So, is that about the microchipping or something else going on? No, the microchipping oh. mainly. Oh. But uh, I was thinking, I was thinking that this whole thing about uh, ever voluntary or not voluntary. You remember Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom? Oh yeah, uh, Marlon Perkins and everything, and they would take a critter, tag it by the ear to where they could track it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what it is to me. It's just, it's somebody else feeling that they're superior enough to uh, go ahead and tag me with a good, with the dart and throw me down and tag my ear. Oh, it's it's you know it's it's a hair's breadth away from happening. I think I think I think I applaud the state legislatures who are already looking at this, uh, but I guarantee you, there's people in the federal government that see this as being a good idea. Hey, yeah, but they're not going to get tagged. <laughs> yeah, well. I got news. They may get tagged with something. It may not be a microchip. But <laughs> All right. Hey, Brian, appreciate you, man. That. You have a good one. You Goodbye. too, buddy. All right, Boomer, take us to a break. We'll come right back. I got a little bit more on this. This whole section of the Triple Dipper is called Too Much Tech. Well, what about the idea of artificial intelligence writing your papers in school for you? Come on. I got news. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Uh, hey, by the way, Brian from Huntsville just sent in a, a text uh, a thing, too. He said, we ought to get Jeff from Indiana to spread the word to all his trucker friends about our podcast just to increase the numbers. And that's an idea. All right, Jeff from Indiana, tell your, Come trucking, on, Jeff. Tell, tell your trucking <laughs> friends to, uh, to grab the podcast and, uh, and get, our, get us boosted out there. Um, Daryl from Huntsville. Texted in says we're running out of conspiracy theories that aren't true. <laughs> oh yes. Um, and then uh, what else do we have here? Uh, Jeff from Indiana himself actually texted in and says so. Which is worse, enforcing an experimental vaccine on your employees that could cause them irreparable harm, or implanting a microchip so you can track them? Both are bad, but I'll take the microchip over the vaccine. You know, I can I can get a pocket knife and get rid of that uh, that microchip later on if I want to. Uh, not, not Glenn from Bluntsville said this is triple six stuff. Six, six, six. Yeah, Mark. Yeah. I know. Gross. Sandy from Harvest says Elysium. Well, if you haven't seen the movie, yeah, that was a, uh, what was that? Was that, was, was a movie called Elysium? Yes, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. That was an interesting movie. Um, uh, you had, yeah, you, you couldn't get, unless you were tagged or microchipped as a citizen, you couldn't get medical assistance or anything. JT from Lacey Springs says microchipping, quoting a country song. Who's cheating who? Who's being true? And whose car is parked next door? It's never ending. <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, you think it's bad enough that they can find your phone. They can find you. Um, 
Although, I mean, there are times I can see where they'll go, it would be helpful. We can stop human trafficking. We can do I, I can see where they're going to paint this as a great idea. Well, they're going to paint it as a great idea, and they're going to make it seem like it's just awesome to have. Awesome. And the convenience. Oh yeah, that's what they're gonna. That's what they're gonna push. Oh, look how easy it is. You could walk right up there. You scan your hand yeah. and be able to buy something. Yeah, you don't have to you'll carry to, anything around. You'll be able to buy and sell. You'll yeah. be able to trade. You'll be able, whatever. It's, it's gonna be very easy uh, to use. Uh, yeah, Ooh. and then very easy to get penalized when you choose not to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, Missy from Mafalkwa says, "Not taking the mark of the beast." I get it. Jeremy from Huntsville, he says, uh, "There's something about the invention of the microchip." Um, and how the guy who invented it became a minister. Okay, I'll check that out. That's 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 interesting. Uh, Tony from Piedmont says, "Hmm, biometrics, digital is evil. It has good, but all it but it'll enslave us all." And then uh, John from Huntsville, <laughs> Phil, you should have a light. <laughs> I should. He telling me I should be an auctioneer because because I, I read that uh, legal disclaimer so fast. All right, hey, thanks, audience members. We have hundreds of people, literally hundreds, in our text line. Can't get to all of them, but y'all text in as best you can, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. If you text in for the very first time, tell us your name, where you're from. We plug you in the system, and at that point, we start calling out what your comments are. And Listen, I'm going to keep moving forward here. I've got this piece that I'm about to go into next. So the microchipping thing notwithstanding, how do you feel about artificial intelligence being in your business, literally? Like, how do you feel if you're a teacher and you get this golden paperback from one of your students and you realize AI wrote it for them? What do you think if you're the guy who runs a news site and the stories now are being generated by Autobots? I'm just saying these things are already underway. And when I get back from this next break, I'm going to boggle your mind with some of it. But but yeah, what you got? Were you about to say uh, yeah, I mean, just about the AI stuff. I saw I saw this just quick before the break, but I saw a little thing, and it was pictures, and it looked like actual people. And then I read the caption: "These pictures are not actual people; they were all created by AI." But they looked what they like. It was just a picture, like, like it, it was just on Instagram, like it was generating a Photoshop. Kind it of was thing? generating a photo, and it wasn't off of anybody's faces. It was just. AI. It's getting, it's getting creepy. And, yeah. and you know what that also does is it creates all kinds of, like somebody publishes a picture about you. Oh. It might not even be about you. Yeah. Um, it just, it's just, it's amazing what technology is doing, which by the way is blurring the lines sometimes between reality. And, and I mean, I, I heard a, an amazing story and I will say this, uh, you know, I, I don't want Alexa in my house. I don't, I don't have the, Hey Alexa, turn on whatever. I, I, I don't want it. Um, but, I have a friend whose wife went to their cabin and she had a stroke. And while she's laying on the floor unable to move, she was able to call out to Alexa to call her husband. And that's how they saved her life. So I get it. I get some technology could be helpful and things can happen. But some of what I got here is blurring the lines between what's good and what ain't good. We'll come right back and cap that one off. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio Solid Conservative Just Plain Right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, all the issues. We're covering down solid conservative and just plain right. Hour number three. And before I go any further, folks, let me tell you, ZLA Solutions, they are one of our original sponsors. They've been with us since this show came out, and, uh, and, and they are doing an amazing job at getting jobs and people together. So ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com, they can do all kinds of things for your business. They can help you with things like, you know, quality control and sorting and containment, logistics, warehousing, but their bread and butter, man, is staffing. So personally, if you're looking for a job, they've got jobs posted right now on their website. You ought to check it out, ZLAUSA.com. But then at the same time, if you are an employer looking to fill out the ranks of your workforce, you may need onesies and twosies. You might need literally, you know, uh, just very niche skills or an entire shift full of people. It doesn't matter. Blue collar, white collar, no collar. They can do it. ZLA Solutions, they, they literally, y'all, they can do the background checks for you, the drug testing if necessary. They can do all the recruiting. I'm just saying, if you need people, they can get them. Temp or direct hire. ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. Friends of mine, I know them personally. They had the best year they've ever had. ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. Please tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Uh, we got some new textures on the line. I'm looking for names, so when I see those, I'll call them out. Allie from Athens just texted in, said, um, I- I'm guessing what she's saying is it's not uncommon for human traffickers to already implant chips in the women that they are trafficking. That's that's gross. They're, they're treating them like cattle at that point, what they really are. Well, they already were treating them like cattle, but you know what I mean. Uh, wow, Allie, thanks. Um, Dustin from Hazel Green says, I need a recap of the last hour. We were in a doctor's appointment for our little boy. <laughs> Sorry, Dustin, we'll have to uh, podcast you, brother. Uh, so, yeah, check the podcast out. You can get that on our website, rightsideradio.org. Uh, that, was, that was a great segue to talk about the podcast, though, Bummer. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, uh, Jeff from Indiana, uh, you'll just have to outfit me with a bunch of Right Side Radio paraphernalia and clothes, and I'll wear them and tell everybody about you now that I should broadcast you on the CB. That's <laughs> talking about Jeff spreading the word about our podcast. Uh, Glenn from Bun- uh, Bluntsville says the Autobots' enemies were the Decepticons. That's true. So we're moving in that direction. I don't know. Um, Tony from Piedmont says, how about a God-given EMP from the sun uh, versus a nuclear war with Russia. I'm, so I guess what he's saying is if you get an EMP, it can knock out all those chips. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. David from Huntsville uh, sending me something he wants me to watch. I'll have to get to it later, David. Thank you. Uh, John from Huntsville says, um, I'm all for a Democrat. I'm all for a Democrat truth microchip. You place it into any Democrat such as Joe Biden. And when it activates the programmer, Joe Biden starts airing all of his dirty secrets live on TV. I don't know that we need that. That's technology I don't want. Um, uh, Barry from Athens, 
Uh, where are we talking about here? Yada, yada, yada. What, what do we have here? I'm, I got a, I got a long one. Um, but I, okay. Tell you what, Barry, I'll get back to that one, man. I'm not sure what you're trying to tell me. Uh, and we got a brand new one who just texted in, uh, whose name is, uh, Matt from Athens. Matt, we're glad you're on the line, brother. Um, we met at the, uh, the API event up on Montesano. Glad you were there that night. I had a great night that night. So anyway, all right. I ran through the list of what we had so far. Let me go back to the triple dipper. Too much tech. In case you have not heard, BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed is one of those sites that I rarely wind up resourcing because they typically don't have things that I want to look at, but BuzzFeed is going to rely on a new thing called OpenAI put out by a company called ChatGPT. What this basically is is artificial intelligence. BuzzFeed says it's going to be using it to enhance some of its uh, publishing. In other words, some of the articles and things on BuzzFeed are going to be written now by artificial intelligence. Hmm. That's just freakish. But it's created, a, it's created a firestorm. So BuzzFeed came out and said that, and it got all kinds of people fired up. Yahoo Finance, as a piece came out last night, says that after BuzzFeed made this announcement, trading volumes on OpenAI frenzied on the market. Companies were seeing, like one company called Big Bear AI soared 65% on Monday alone at 2,100% above its daily volume from three months ago. Um, you've got massive investments in AI. Oh, by the way, uh, Bloomberg recently announced that China-based company Baidu Inc. is planning to roll out another AI chatbot service. Yay. I love having Chinese autobots telling me what to do. But here's the thing. It's real. It's out there. It's gotten to the point already, story on USA Today that came out yesterday. It says, this shouldn't be a surprise. The education community shares mixed reactions to chat GPT. So what we're already seeing is that massive numbers of students are already using AI to write their papers. You can literally ask a question of the chatbot and get a speedy detail response in paragraph form. And that's just getting a little too far. It also indicates to me there's going to be a deep laziness in the next generation if they rely upon that solely to get things done. Because there is something to be said for stretching the membranes of the mind, all right? If you are not actually working out your own mental capacity, you're dumbing down. And and what was that movie, uh, Boomer? Uh, it, was, it was something about the future idiocracy. Mm. Cacistocracy. Idiocracy. Anyway, story on USA Today says that since ChatGPT debuted last November, the nation's largest school districts have banned the artificial intelligence chatbot concerned that students will now use speedy text generators to cheat or plagiarize. Anyone who uses a ChatGPT website can ask a question and get a speedy detail response in paragraph form. GPT stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. So it's a San Francisco-based software company called OpenAI. And it owns the tool. And it said that ChatGPT has been made available as a research preview to learn from real-world use. Okay, however, however, what we're finding is that in some places, students are literally using these chatbots to write their papers. In fact, where was it? A recent survey of 1,000 college students conducted by the online magazine Intelligent shows that nearly 60% of students use the chatbot on more than half their assignments and 30% of them use chatbot on written assignments. Wow. 
You can sit there in class on a test if you're in the back row going, chatbot, what's the answer to this? And it'll tell you. It'll put it up in text form so you can just read it off and then type it or that matter, just have it, you know, plugged in. Now, there are school districts already banning this, yes. Like New York City's Department of Education blocked chat GPT this month. Uh, Seattle Public Schools said despite the ban, the district is working to allow teachers to use it for now, but it blocks several other AI generators. Um, I'm just telling you, man, this thing is rife for disaster. And on TikTok right now, students are sharing how similar AI-based tools help them do their schoolwork to tell other folks how to cheat. It's just, it's, we're just going down a dangerous road, man. Too much tech, microchipping people, using AI to uh, help you with your lessons, actual, actual so-called news magazines using AI to write their articles. Where does this end? Uh, I hope it doesn't end with Skynet becoming self-aware. That's what I hope doesn't happen. All right, Boomer, let's take the break about a minute early. We'll go ahead and do that and come right back. Go into the last part of the show, Triple Dipper number three, Uncommon sense is what I'm calling it. Uncommon sense. Like, could we please find some common sense? Because the uncommon sense ain't working. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Uh, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Well, hey, it's almost go-home time. It's been a dreary day out there. Uh, I am told that we're going to get some dreary weather for the next several days. Uh, let me tell you a way to pick up your day, all right? Just an idea. Just Love Coffee Cafe. Boomer's laughing at me. You like that segue? I did. Yeah, Just Love Coffee Cafe. Two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison and the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And, uh, and I'm just telling you, man, if you want to go, you know, get you a moment away from the office, or maybe you're somebody who works from home, take your laptop with you. You can work from there. They have the Wi-Fi for their, their, their customers. They've got it set up to where you can have places to sit and, and you know, enjoy the environment. But the, the food... The coffee, the beverages, the environment, all of it, all of it is designed for you. Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, going out yonder towards City Hall, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville, down by Whole Foods. Check them out. They are, they are, they are literally a place that you're going to want what they have on the menu. You're going to want what they have on the drink menu, but you're also going to want just the opportunity just to hang out. And that's what they're, they, they've literally set it up so you can. So, yeah, Just Love Coffee Cafe, tell them you heard about it, please, on Right Side Radio. Um, in fact, I do believe that McQueen was up there today. Wasn't she at, uh, at uh, Just Love Coffee? I oh, think she yeah. She, she was up there. I think Which one did she go to, you know? Oh, nope. I just know she went to Just Love Coffee. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm switching gears. I am in the third of the dippers. All three. We're, we're getting... We're getting triple dippered today, all right? So I'm calling this one uncommon sense. Like, I look at it and I go, come on, y'all. Can we just please use some common sense? 
because what you're trying to do ain't working. And, and you look at it and go, no, that was not necessary. That just, all you did was make it worse. Well, here's the first one I've got. National Review has a piece that came out uh, today, actually. National Review always you know, has those deep dive kind of articles. But National Review has this piece that came out today. The title of it is, The Truth Behind the Great Florida Classroom Library Freakout. <laughs> okay. Why is it always the teachers' union? Anyway, so the open of the article is this. Great opening by Ryan Mills at National Review. He says, what do you get when you take a new law aimed at increasing transparency around public school materials, add in some misplaced concerns about an existing law that prohibits providing pornography to kids, sprinkle in some conflicting directions from local school leaders that provide teachers with no room to use discretion or common sense, and then to mix them together in a state where the governor, who's himself a likely 2024 presidential candidate, is often characterized by the media as a fascist dictator. <laughs> that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Well, he says the answer is the great Florida classroom library freak out of 2023. So here's what happened. And this is the kind of thing you look at and go, you know what? This was not necessary. You guys exacerbated the situation. You made it worse on purpose. Well, it says teachers in at least two Florida school districts began removing their classroom libraries or covering them up with construction paper, construction paper, under the largely unfounded belief they could be sent to jail for having unvetted, unvetted books on their shelves. All right, so first of all, no. No one is swooping in with their jackboots to send you to jail. But yet, what happened? Oh, the Florida Teachers Union started sending out the word, be careful, they could come after you. This could be a felony. Well, according to teachers union leaders... Florida teachers are living in a state of fear and confusion after lawmakers last year passed House Bill 1467 in Florida, aimed at providing transparency about school instructional materials. Folks, I'm just telling you, this was so overblown, so overhyped. Well, then you have probably teachers union leading or leaning leadership at these two school districts that sent out word to their teachers, you've got to remove unvetted materials from your classroom right away. And they provided a sense of urgency to it based on existing law that if there's an inappropriate book found, you could be subject to a class or third degree felony. Okay, let's make sure we're clear. If you are using materials that are designed to, you know, sexualize children, that are designed to teach them how to keep secrets from their parents, that you are using materials that are in some way offensive under critical race theory auspices or something else, and you're doing so intentionally, we're going to look at this as a potential felony with intent. But if you've got a book on your shelf that you might not even know is there or that you're not sure if it's been vetted yet, you don't have to strip the shelves of common sense. And that's what happened. We got no common sense. It says that literally panicked teachers took to social media during literacy week to complain they're being forced to dismantle, remove, or cover their classroom libraries because they may come and... Take away our teaching license. No, they weren't. In fact, Manny Diaz, who is Florida's education commissioner, said the social media posts of empty library shelves and libraries covered with paper are part of a stunt to try and create a narrative that books are being banned while they're not. He said those are just not the facts. Folks, this is what happens when the teachers' union gets involved. You know what? How about this? If you know that the parents don't want it to be in the classroom, if you know that it's not considered socially acceptable, if you know your state law says, hmm, how about this? Don't teach kids that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. 
if you just use some common sense, we're not going to see the so-called textbook or library panics. And it's just almost offensive that people whose job is to be an educator found themselves so easily preyed upon that they didn't bother to think it through for a minute. I mean, I saw this all the time in Alabama when the, when the, when the, the teachers union would resist everything we did in the state legislature and tell their folks absolutely asinine things about good legislation. Oh, and, and also things like, well, you've got to be in the union to get your insurance in case you ever get sued. Well, first of all, unless you're acting willfully outside the line of scope of your employment, you don't really have an issue with getting sued personally as a teacher. But secondly, secondly, I'll point out to you that we passed legislation just to go ahead and fill that gap and said you can have insurance without being a member of the union. Did the union tell them that? Nope. They just told them, well, it's not as good as insurance. You need ours. You got to pay your dues. Teachers unions bring nothing really good to the table. Use some common sense, y'all. That's just embarrassing. Um, the other one that we're going to dig into here in a minute is a thing that never should have happened. You guys may remember that, um, gosh, when was this? Last fall? Uh, we had a pro-life, I, I guess you'd call him an activist, but at least a, a pro-life uh, a guy who would just stand outside of Planned Parenthoods and, and, and talk to people and counsel with them. And a pro-abortion activist took offense, didn't want him out there, began yelling at his kid. He had his son with him, which I think was 12 years old at the time, and literally yelling at his kid using profanity to the extent that the dad had to finally hold his arm out and, and, and push the guy away from his own son because it was beyond the pale. Well, <laughs> the Biden Department of Justice sent a SWAT team to the man's house. Roughly 25 people were told to come to his house because he stood outside of a abortion clinic and he, and he literally just stopped a guy from raging in his son's face for no good reason. And he had 25 armed officers come to his door and pound on the door and tell him they were going to break the door down if he didn't open it. And he, he did, but of course his family's freaking out. One of the, the, the wife says they had about five guns pointed at my husband. Well, they filed charges against him, violating the so-called Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act and sent a SWAT team to his house. I got news on what happened to him legally, and you're going to want to hear this because there weren't no common sense being applied. It was uncommon sense, and it hadn't been helpful. But I got an end to this story you might want to hear. So y'all stay tuned. I'll tell you as soon as we get back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. There we go. Tie it up. 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Covering some ground across the northern half of the great state of Alabama and points beyond. I'm talking about this show goes way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi. Thrown in just for good measure. All right. Hey, listen. Um, the story I was talking about before we went to the break. Boomer, do you recall this? We were talking about it, I think, what, last, like, November or October, thereabouts. Oh, I remember. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the dude literally is just standing out. He's not doing anything. No. And federal agents came to his door. What? Yeah, no, he just, he wasn't doing anything. He just got the guy away from his son. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I mean, you held your hand out. The audience can't no, see that's, your hand. Yeah, so I sorry. Was I, was, <laughs> I was holding the guy away from I thought him. you were raising your hand like you no, had a question. Because that's what I would do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Why would anybody not? But anyway, so he's, yeah, he's down there. The guy's name's Mark Houck. And he literally had a rowdy Planned Parenthood escort that got in his 12-year-old son's face. We're told that it was profanity. He was yelling. He told him to quit. He said he's about a foot away from my son after already having one altercation with him. He's making my son nervous. My son moved behind me. He could tell his son was scared. And he said, and then the insults continued to be directed at them. And then the, the dad told the guy to just go back to where you usually stand. And I just stop talking to my son. Said he doesn't have permission to talk to my son. Next thing I know, he turns around and he's talking to my son again. And then you see me, you know, having to push him out of the way. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Mm. The Biden administration, though, this is uncommon sense. This is not common sense. This is uncommon sense. Like, did they really see this as being the thing to pursue? Right. 25 people show up at Houck's door, pounding on the door, armed agents with alleging violations of a federal law called the FACE Act, the FACE Act, the Freedom of Access to Clinic Interests, claiming that he had obstructed the clinic. But I, I got to ask, when did they look at this and go, there's a good case. Let's go take that one. That'll look good on, on the, on the resume. I mean, it doesn't like it. It doesn't compute. It doesn't compute <laughs> at all. I mean, no. no, it doesn't. And this, this is a classic example of somebody should have told somebody, uh, no, you're not going to pursue that one because yeah. that's a loser for us. I guess what? He was acquitted. So he's, 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 he's off the hook. So he's now out there, there speaking about it, and he's telling the world what happened. So the good news part of the story is he is off the hook. A jury acquitted the Pennsylvania dad who was accused of pushing a Planned Parenthood escort during an encounter outside an abortion clinic. And, and literally, he is now able to say it's a victory. His words, what we did was win a big victory for the pro-life movement against the Biden administration. Um, says uh, Peter Breen, who's the uh, executive vice president and head of litigation at the Thomas More Society. I think they took on his case. He says they were trying to scare pro-lifers from coming out on the sidewalks and being active. Biden, that DOJ, sent their best prosecutor, the top guy for face prosecutions from Washington, to help deal with the case in Philly. And that jury, once we finally got it seated, took about an hour to find him not guilty on all charges. That's awesome. But you know what? It never should have happened. Right. If somebody had used some common sense... But that 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 was the priority, apparently. Fly in a prosecutor from D.C. who understands how to prosecute people for standing in the face of abortions. Give me a break. Um, all right, the next piece I've got. Oh, I got. I mean, I, I guess I better look at the text messages because I just saw some <laughs> filling up there. Uh, Jer, uh, Leanne from Huntsville said, "25 guns pulled, armored vest." Yep, uh, I know it, Leanne. 
Uh, Tony from Piedmont says it's a good ending for us. He took the bullets. Um, he did. Uh, Jeremy from Huntsville says, uh, with regards to previous stories, the teacher's fears is that we would stoop to the vindictive levels that they are willing to go to. Interesting point. Um, and then uh, Charlene, my lovely Charlene, just texted in and said, um, uh, the, 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 what am I trying to say? I lost my text, baby. I'm sorry. I just went to your text and my phone timed out right as I picked it up. No, Charlene said, uh, teachers union use fear as a weapon. Yes, they do. They absolutely do. We saw it quite often. Um, all right. Next story. As we move to the end of this dipper, the end of the show, actually, as we move to the end of the show, I got to tell you, it's amazing when you're going through. And this is how I resource the show, by the way. I, I come in every day and early, early, early in the morning. And after I spend some time uh, having a cup of coffee with Jesus, I, 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 I head into the show. And the first thing I do is begin resourcing. Sometimes I know exactly what I'm going to do already in advance. Like this morning, uh, I already knew I wanted to do one on state action. So the 10th Amendment thing, I was in my head. I sort of filled that one out. I resourced that one. But this uncommon sense thing I'm in, I just kept finding these stories where I kept thinking to myself, if someone would use some common sense, that wouldn't have been necessary. If someone had just applied some common sense, we wouldn't have been in this predicament. Well, that's how it, that's how it develops. So early in the morning, there are times when I don't know what the show is going to contain yet, but the headlines begin to tell me, and I find these threads and pull them all together. So keeping this theme going, uncommon sense. Listen, y'all. The situation that ha occurred in Memphis with the, uh, with the young guy who was um, killed during a, um, a, just a, apparently a debacle of an arrest attempt. Uh, I don't know all the ins and outs. I've seen the video. It's hard to watch and see what's going on, but, but, but here's the deal. A 29-year-old, I think it pronounced his name Tyree, I don't know for a fact, uh, Nichols, um, died after his altercation with police. And there are multiple police officers now who have been indicted uh, for um, you know, one form of assault or other. All that to say, leaving that story aside, which is a horrible story, and so I'm not really spending a lot of time on it, I, I will say this. What we're finding now, though, is when they go back and look at the Memphis Police Department's lowered standards of hiring, some of these officers were hired after they lowered the standards for who they would take into the ranks. Here's a problem. It came on the heels of all of the anti-cop sentiment coming up during the, uh, the George Floyd riots. Good on the fact that the city of Memphis, the mayor, wanted more police as opposed to less, but anti-cop sentiment has impacted recruiting for police officers nationwide. And it brings about a need to make a choice. They either do with less or they lower the standards to fill out the ranks with more. And what we're finding right now is that several of those guys who were indicted were actually brought into the force in Memphis after the education standards and other requirements have been lessened to be able to fill out their ranks. And in my opinion, a big part of that is because they were struggling with recruiting in the wake of violence and anti-cop sentiment and defund the police initiatives. And there was a lot of defund the police rhetoric going on in Memphis, which I believe the mayor held out against. But what I'm saying is this. People were not wanting to join the force if they had other viable options in life because of the anti-police sentiment that was being foisted on our society and still is in some places. When that happens, just like our military, we're seeing right now that our military is at a 40-year low, or has been most recently, a 40-year low in recruiting. In order to fill out the ranks, what do they have to do? Lower the standards. And so for the first time 
you're able to see people joining the, 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 the Army in, 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 in decades without even a GED requirement, where we're seeing them being taken in, not meeting the physical fitness standards or the weight standards, and sometimes they're even being given waivers on past criminal activity or drug offenses. It's amazing. And you, and you think, really? But then again, how do you fill out the ranks? But when you have that level of sentiment going on in your culture, it impacts recruiting. And then we find ourselves faced with the situation that we have in Memphis, where a horrible situation got more horrible because there were guys involved who might not have been there had the standards not been lowered. In fact, we know at least two or three of them would not have been there had the standards not been lowered during their recruiting process because they wouldn't have otherwise qualified. That's, that's an amazing scenario uh, in a very difficult uh, place. I got a piece here. I'm changing gears. Uncommon sense. Uncommon sense. I don't understand California. Now, we're going to have a California legislator on the show, hopefully later this week, uh, who who I I think the world of. I've met her at a conference. She's very solid, very conservative. We both met at a Club for Growth conference, so you know she's conservative. I follow her on Twitter. You can, too. Um, but But the reality is this. The California legislature is outnumbered in terms of the liberals, and, and they, they keep doing things. That you look at it, you go, what? so what do you think is going to happen when you do this? Well, I've got a story here on Fox, and all of you out there in the listening audience who are independent truck drivers, you can appreciate this. You are a business owner. If you're an independent truck driver, that truck is basically your office. You are an independent driver, and you haul for a living, and you you're on the road, but you know you can earn a living doing it. You can pay yourself what you want. You can, you can make decisions unless you're in California because they passed Assembly Bill 5 in California that literally removes truck driving from the ability to have owner-operator independence. You've got to be a unionized company man or be treated as such because if you're not, then they will require you to be treated as such no matter what. And, and that's just a, it's boggling my mind. The piece that I've got here, Fox News, is a female, a black female. She's, basically, it says she's a successful female minority truck driver who loves driving. She lives in California. She, she's proud of her business. She actually decided to drop out of nursing school and go be an over-the-road driver living in California. She has now packed up her family and left the state because she said she's not going to sacrifice the viable income she has made uh, in this business by suddenly being subjected to these new regulations under Assembly Bill 5. Use some common sense, people. I guarantee you she's not the only one that's going to leave. I guarantee you. At the same time, they're requiring all the trucks that, that load and unload to, 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 to literally be very soon to be battery-powered. And then on top of that, they can't be older than a certain age. So you're just crushing the industry. What's that going to do to the rest of us? They ship our goods. So when you raise the cost of shipping, who do you think pays for it? The people in Alabama who have something being brought into the ports of California. That's who. All right. I got on a rant, Boomer. You did. (laughs) But it was a good rant. Okay. Yeah, I liked it. I hope. All right. Take me to a break, brother. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back and wrap up this day. I got a couple more. I know you heard about this. But what about the uncommon sense of... Putting illegal migrants into a luxury hotel in New York and then telling them later on they got to live in a warehouse. How's that going over? Or how about in Scotland? 
where they're sending a violent transgender into a female prison. Yeah, we'll see how that works. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Hey, the text line's got all kinds of stuff on it here. Uh, uh, where was it? Uh, Leanne from Huntsville, I guess she heard the story about the uh, the guy who was acquitted on the, um, the ridiculous charges that never should have been brought um, for um, allegedly obstructing access to a abortion clinic. She just says, praise the Lord. I agree, Leanne. Uh, Kenny from Huntsville. He came in and says, bureaucracy begins where common sense ends. <laughs> we need to write that. That one, that going to be emblazoned on the wall. That's a, that's a good one. Um, Tony from Piedmont points out that of the, uh, the guys um, that uh, the police officers up in uh, Memphis, one of them was actually a prison guard. He calls him a busted prison guard. I, I understand that the, this prison, one of the guys had been a prison guard and there were allegations of violence against him uh, in the past. Yeah. Uh, Ike from Somerville with regards to lowering the standards says during the draft standards were lowered even more than now. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't dispute that. I'm just saying it's a problem. It can be a problem. Uh, Jeremy from Huntsville says, sounds like the Alabama legislature needs to pass a bill to improve the port of mobile. I, <laughs> I, that's, I get it. The, the problem is we got a lot of shipping that comes in across the Pacific. That's probably not going to come through the Panama canal to get to the port of mobile. Um, but, but I get it. Um, anyway, I could be wrong. Maybe, but, but by the way, we are improving the portmobile. That is a major project that's currently underway. I believe, uh, uh, we got, uh, Ben from Decatur saying regarding those California laws, their governor is helping moving companies and U-Haul in advertising to move out of state. It's a, it's a great point. In fact, I saw a, um, U-Haul and, uh, I think is it Ryder, but anyway, the, the rental truck companies, they actually do an annual report. How many, like what states have seen the most one way out of state and what has seen the most one way into the state? Right. And that's out of the state is California, right? California, yeah. Yep. Big time. Wow. Uh, like, so basically what they're saying is there's a lot of people renting one way trucks out of California. <laughs> that just tells you something. It does. Um, and then, but uh, I think Alabama was like uh, in the top 10 for moving to one way trucks mean, coming to. What a great state. Like it. Uh, finishing this up on uncommon sense, y'all. Um, so the situation at the Watson Hotel in New York City. A nice hotel, allegedly. Not anymore. A nice hotel. Well, more than 50 migrants are now protesting outside the hotel because they do not like the fact that they are not keeping their luxury accommodations. They do not like the fact that they were brought to the Watson Hotel, given a room, given food, given a gym to work out in, given hallways they could run up and down, given the ability to, um, you know, do any number of things that were alienating anybody else from ever wanting to stay there again. And it was a total boondoggle. Well, so the city of New York did what it probably could have done up front. They created a large shelter. And it's basically, it's at the, I think it's at the, uh, I think it's at the, at the port. And they, they took a warehouse, basically. 
And they turned it into a – I stayed in one of those kind of things before when I was shipping overseas. You go through Kuwait, you stay in a giant warehouse full of cots. Well, this is what it looks like. It's a giant warehouse full of cots. But they have food, they have accommodations, they have a place to stay, and they're here illegally. <laughs> Did we mention that part? You're not even supposed to be here. But we're spending large amounts of taxpayer dollars to put together a facility to give you a place to stay while we figure out what else to do. But they're protesting right now because they're being kicked out of the hotel. Well, maybe the owners of the hotel want their investment back. How about that? But what, what's happening right now, too, is the city, the city can't sustain this. The city can't sustain. It's New York City, but it shouldn't have to sustain the idea of paying top dollar at major hotels and then get trashed by people who are here illegally who then don't want to go to the new mega shelter that can house as many as 1,000 people. Um, it's a problem. But if they'd used some common sense when it started and not created the, well, we're going to help those that are here. We'll get a hotel. Let's get them hotel. Y'all, let's get them hotel rooms. Hotel. Can we ship food to the rooms? Sure, we can. Uber Eats is coming, y'all. It's going to be good. And what have they done? No common sense. They tore the place up, and now they don't want to leave. And they're here illegally. I mean, it's their right to stay. <laughs> I thought you, you, you thought had, I was serious. You were so serious there for a second, I had to look at you and go, <laughs> what just happened? Uh, story on Fox News dated two days ago. Scotland changes its policy on sending transgender inmates to an all-female prison. Oh, go figure. On Saturday, it says, this past Saturday, violent trans prisoner Tiffany Scott was granted permission to transfer to an all-women's Scottish prison. Scott is known as one of the most violent inmates in the entire Scottish prison system, the Daily Record reported. He even stalked a 13-year-old girl while he was in custody. And he's, he's literally been involved in several violent attacks against guards, against a female nurse and fellow inmates, and, and he's inflicted self-harm by attempting to hang himself. And he, he's, he's doing all kinds of things. He's an he's a absolute problem. Suddenly decided that he's a transgender. And so what did they do? That uh, seems like a great idea. Uh, Sends them to an all-women prison. Let's use some uncommon sense on yeah. that one. Who made that decision? Uh, well, that decision was made uh, by Scotland's government. Thank wow. you very much. Wow, come on, they Scotland. Were, what's the name of the person? Scottish Justice Minister Keith Brown ordered a review of current practices, but they want to know why. Why the officials at the Department of Corrections were actually going to do this, and they got it stopped, but they were literally shipping this dude who is a violent offender, very violent offender, to a women's prison where he could perpetrate his violence on more. I guarantee you. Man. Last one I got here. Wrapping up the day. Redstate.com, dated yesterday. So here we are looking at Thomas C. Williams attended Richmond College back in the 1800s. Thomas C. Williams, the T.C. Williams School of Law at University of Richmond, is founded with an endowment from him well, apparently they're finding now that activists are saying he owned slaves. So they took his name off the building. They will no longer call it the T.C. Williams School of Law. And so the T.C. Williams family wants to know when they're getting their money back. Because <laughs> they say, if our, if our name's not good enough for you, then why do you have the benefit of our money? I like it. I like it. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> we'll ask it. We'll, we'll take the money. All that and a cup of coffee. <laughs> All right, folks. What a day. What a day. You guys have an amazing night. We'll see you again soon. Take care.
Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. 